0: The one thing that we are so in need of in the Christian spiritual life is guidance. The longer I'm a Christian, the more I realize that, that guidance is, is key. There's so many voices and choices and paths and decisions that we need to make. And um, we, we, we are just a people in such need of God's guidance. And, and, and that's what I want to speak to you this morning. So the text we're going to look at is in Proverbs 3. If you have your Bibles, just keep that open. Proverbs 3. And I've got to get there myself here. There we go. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Starting at verse 1, I'm going to go down to verse 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let us pray together. Father God, this morning we bow in your presence. We come before you, and we come before you as a people in need. Father, you know how much we need guidance. We need your hand. We need your wisdom. We need your omniscience, and we uh, are just on on a journey this morning. Each and every one of us... uh, hopefully has come to that point where we have decided to give our hearts to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're on a journey, we're on a pilgrimage, and each one of us maybe is on a different level or maybe a different path, and, and maybe there's some of us who know a lot about your word, and maybe some of us that don't know very much, maybe some, some of us are just brand new beginners, and yet we all have the need no matter how long we've been walking with you. Uh, We have a need to be guided by you and this morning I pray that that as I preach you would speak through me and that there may be people here Lord who come to a decision this morning maybe perhaps is what what it is you want them to do maybe there's a decision that they need to make and uh, your word is so practical and you have a blessing for each person here today we're here for a reason they've come for a reason and you have brought the people that you want here this morning. And so, Lord, open our eyes and our ears and and help us to take in, help us to receive from you today. Jesus, we ask this in your name and for your glory's sake. Amen. Well, it seems hard to believe uh, that we're already seven weeks into a brand new year, 2016. 2015 seemed to move along quite quickly. And um, there have been a lot of changes. We have a new government in Canada. uh, But a lot of the things remain the same as well. Anybody here make resolutions? Again, like the candy, not many, right? right? Well, someone once said that resolutions are things that go in one year and out the other, right? And maybe some have already gone out. We always look forward to a new year because it seems to bring us um, a renewed uh, sense of opportunity to make some changes perhaps in our lives that we'd like to make. But I think you would agree that a new year also represents uh, a certain element of uncertainty, um, not only in our lives but for the world as well. We uh, really can't know with, with exact detail Uh, what the future holds. Uh, God doesn't really tell us. Now, we may have some indications and some signs towards that kind of thing, but we don't really have a lot to go on. And this can lead, as we said, to some uncertainty, perhaps some anxiety for many people because we just don't know what's going to come upon us in the next ten and a half months or so. And yet, whatever it may be, whatever we're going to be facing in this new year, Whatever stage or season of life we might be in, we can walk towards it and endure it as we go forward with God. And we want to continue to do this in the new year with the Lord closely at our right hand. And you know, Moses felt that same way, old Moses. Back in Exodus 33, he was charged with leading the people of God, Israel, into the Promised Land. It was a great calling, to be sure. And uh, something that's really overlooked about Moses was his humility, his humility. He knew that he could not do what God asked of him to do on his own. Moses was, of course, one of the the greatest leaders, not only in the Bible, but in the world. One of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. And uh, he and others uh, like him, uh, Joshua, Daniel, Nehemiah, Paul, guys like that were all great leaders. Yet Moses seemed to acutely realize how inept he was to lead without God's guidance and strength by his side. And I just want to read you a few verses here in Exodus 33. Going back there, and I'll uh, go the glasses again. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied to Moses, My presence, capital M and P, my presence, right, because God was, was, was there, right there with him. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Those are great words for us because they are our prayer as well. And So this is our prayer that we can go into this new year, carry on in this new year with God and have the real sense that He knows us, that He's with us, that He's guiding us along in the path that He's called us, uh, guiding us along in all that He's called us to be and to do for Him. The question is, how do we cultivate this? How do we cultivate that assurance in our lives? It's one thing to know about it, right? It's another thing to, to grasp what is required of us spiritually as we rely on on God to guide our lives. That's the task that we want to kind of dig at this morning in uh, Proverbs 3. And these words in Proverbs 3 were a father's words to his son. And we believe the father or teacher to be King Solomon, David's son. And it's a tremendous passage that speaks of God's presence and guidance in our lives. Can you imagine... Can, can, can you imagine if we had to, to lead people like Moses or just minister for God in some way, represent Him to our friends, our family, and our workplace without His help, without His strength, without His guiding hand? Wow, I mean, who among us could really do that effectively? We couldn't, right? But we can have the assurance we can have the assurance that He is with us. Because the promise within this passage of Proverbs 3 is that we don't have to rely on our own limited resources to live for the Lord. It was never meant to be that way. And yet, my friends, I tell you on good authority that there are many silly Christians that are trying to live their lives um, kind of away from the close uh, guiding hand of the Lord. We don't want to live like that, right? We don't want to be that type of Christian. We can have assurance. Well, let's let's take a look uh, back, if you have your Bibles open, at the uh, first few verses once again in Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. It's kind of like what Moses was asking of the Lord back in Exodus 33. Now, here was a father who was speaking to his son, and like any father, he's trying to um, impart wisdom to his boy. He's not trying to give him a hard time or anything, but he's saying, you know, I've learned a lot of hard lessons along the way, and I kind of want to impart these things to you so that in turn it 'll help you to know how to react when you come across those bumps within the roads and when you need a lot of guidance and so the language here we have is very masculine, uh, but it is also understood that that the daughters were being addressed as well. It was that way in the time of Solomon. The sons were addressed directly, but it was also understood that the daughters were listening to that same instruction and that it applied to them as well. And so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Another guiding principle about Proverbs is that they shouldn't be considered as promises, but rather as probabilities. In other words, it's probable that if we do these things or live in such and such a way, that we'll experience success and blessings and long life not all the time but most of the time and there are some mitigating circumstances that can change things but overall Proverbs instructs us to honor God to wait on God and to leave the results of the things that we leave in his hands with him and uh, if we do that we'll be doing really really well life can deal us some hard blows but listen, God always God always honors faithfulness, always has and always will. And it's most probable that if we obey His commands, our lives will be blessed. Our lives will be blessed despite our problems. What do we have to do? Well, the writer, the father, Solomon here tells us, And um, he says to his son, going back here in verse uh, 3 and 4, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. The word love here in verse 3, translated from the Hebrew, um, means that God's love is a loyal committed kind of love. It's kind of similar to the agape love that we get in the Greek from the writers in the New Testament uh, that they use to describe uh, God's love as being unconditional. And the father here is saying more or less that, you know, son, be like God. Be like God when you love. Be faithful. Be loyal. Be committed. Let your love be unconditional and may these thoughts be like a necklace that you wear around you to grace you and write these things upon your heart don't just leave them up in your memory because you know that's what you should be doing but but allow them to drop down into your heart as well and then you will find favor with god and with others and this is so true most often in life right it's probable most often in life if we love people like that not always, but the likelihood is that if we love people in a loyal, committed, faithful kind of way, that most often they'll love us that way back. And of course, hopefully we'll find favor with them and we find favor with the Lord always in that way. And something I know that I've had to learn is this, that the more we seek to obey God in how we deal with others, hmm? yeah, the more we seek to obey God, God in how we deal with others, the more, listen, the more we will sense His favor and His blessings and His guiding presence in our lives. God always, always, always honors faithfulness in us. Right? Obedience begets His blessings. We have such a great opportunity We have such a great opportunity to experience God's guiding presence in every facet of our lives, you know, family, friendship, fellowship. And yet not everyone, it seems, uh, wants his intervention in their lives. Some people think that they'll have to change, right? They'll have to change a lot, that God will kind of slow them down in the course of their path and choice of living. Have you ever met a lot of unbelieving uh, people who feel like that? I certainly have. There's always been this perception that people feel that they can guide their lives better than what the Lord can by using what's between their ears and just by following their heart. You know, and I cringe when I hear that kind of thing um, because that's that's not really sensible and it's not biblical and it's also spiritually dangerous to try to live life like that. These same people look at the Bible and they think God will constrain them, right? kind of pull them back in, that life won't be fun anymore. It's not the things that people don't understand about the Bible that fears them the most, right? It's what they do get about the Bible, That's what kind of gets them. And there are going to be times in all of our lives when when God's will for us uh, perhaps disagrees with the plans that we have for us because they just conflict with us, right? But then we get a passage in a verse such as Isaiah 55 where God says, you know, my my plans are are higher than yours. My ways are also higher. And we dwell upon a passage like that. And I know that it's rather cliche, but it's so often true that, that God works in mysterious ways. It is very true in a lot of ways. Because his ways, because his plans are so much higher than ours. Sometimes, um, and tell me if you agree, sometimes it's hard to figure out what God is up to with our lives. Am I right? Yes. Yet God is God and we are not. And a great deal involved with knowing God's will in life, uh, to know his specific plans that he has for us, is, is that we need to be willing to do what he desires for us to do. I think there are some teachers who like having thoughtful, scholarly and brainy students. Uh, but I think there's also a lot of teachers who would just rather uh, prefer students that, that that they can shape, right? And and mold students that are just open to learning and willing. They're called fat students. Have you ever heard of that? They're called fat students. Faithful, available and teachable, Right? Faithful, available, and teachable. And I think that this is what God is looking for in you and I. Someone who is faithful, right? Who has a loyal and committed love for God and for others. Um, someone who is available to him. Someone who will seek his will and be ready to serve. And also someone who is teachable. Someone who is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and someone who he can counsel and enlighten and lead so that they in turn can lead others. And so if we feel we need to pull up our socks, as it were, a little bit more in these areas of the Christian life, 2016 would be a great time and opportunity for our attitude to be that we want to seek out God more, right? That we want to be more shapeable and teachable and open to His Word and His will in the hard things and in the easy things and that we may be of more use to Him and what I call more gloriable for Him more glory able for Him. And if any of us truly and authentically desire to do that, God will not hold back. Like in the Peanuts comics, remember Lucy's holding the football for Charlie Brown and Charlie Brown gains steam and he's coming, he's ready to kick the ball and Lucy goes, ah uh ah, uh ah, picks the ball up and Charlie Brown falls flat on his back. Well, God will not do that with His will for our lives, right? He doesn't play games with us. He doesn't trick us. Um, There's only one deceiver, right? And it ain't God. If we really want to know the will of God and we're open to it, He's going to show us what that is. If we're confident that God will help us and meet us where we are, then we'll open up our lives to Him. You know, the greatest words that God can hear from us or not, I praise you, even though we should praise Him. No, the, the, the greatest words that God can hear from us sound like this, Father, I need you. Father, can you help me with this? Father, can you direct my path on this, on this choice or thing that I, that I have to make up my mind about? You know, those are, are great words that God wants to hear. And he's willing to lead us. But the operative question, as I said before, is are we willing to be led? Right? Are we willing to be led? God often guides us by the study of his, by the study of his word. And that's why it is so important for us uh, to keep reading the Bible, no matter how long we've been reading the Bible, to keep reading the Bible. And when we open it and read it and we digest it and we pray over it, that is part of how how God leads us. And so if somebody asks me, you know, how do I find out the will of God? I say, are you reading your Bible, right? Because that's step number one. And, And then we have his Holy Spirit that God puts within us. Um, and, and, and that Holy Spirit guides us in His peace. And so if we need peace about something, the Holy Spirit helps us with that peace. Or maybe that Spirit of God in us confirms a lack of peace or an unsettledness within our spirit about another action that we were thinking of taking and so forth. God also gives us the wise counsel of many other godly believers to help guide us. And when all these things come together, When they all come together, we can be quite confident that we are centered in the will of God for our lives. If we are willing, and we not fret, but we are willing for God to reveal His will to us, He will. Psalm 32.8 promises this, I will instruct you, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And that's God's promise to each one of us here this morning. You and I. Not just to Billy Graham or to Rick Warren or to Chuck Swindle. It's His promise to to you and I, right? Joe and Jane Christian this morning as we seek Him. But if we leave off from reading Scripture, mm, even for a day or two, I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't leave off from reading the Bible for very long. If we leave off from reading Scripture and we get away from the foot of Christ's cross, as His disciples, as His students, chances are we'll miss that, that still small voice and guiding hand of God in our everyday lives. But listen, if we spend time with God, He will spend time speaking into our lives. So God loves us with a loyal committed a faithful love he's committed to us unconditionally committed to guiding us to caring for us and yet it appears from scripture that there are certain conditions for hearing god's voice and getting his teaching into our hearts through his presence there what are they well i know what they are and i'm going to tell you let's look back at verses five and six these are familiar verses aren't they trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. What great words though are those are so firstly, it says that we must trust in the Lord with all our heart. You know it seems to me that it 's quite easy to trust in God when things are going well for us. But when things start to not go so well for us, we kind of say, "Well, you know I trusted God for this, and then He came through, and I trusted God for that, and He came true. You know, uh, but, but now I'm kind of trusting him for this and, and things are not really going the way I thought that they would and I don't know what God is doing and, and, and sometimes there's just silence and I, and I try to go by sight and I don't see anything working out there either. And I think you'll agree that at times like that, at those times, we just have to continue to, to hold on to the Lord's cloak, right? To just continue to hang on to the hem of his garment if we've trusted God to lead us into a situation, we must trust Him to lead us out of that said situation. Right? And that's how it works. Corey Ten Boom, the uh, Dutch Christian. If you ever get the chance to read some of her books, I think she has two, maybe three. Anyway, great stories. Um, Corey Ten Boom helped many Jews escape the Nazis during the Second World War, and she uh, went through some tremendous amount of trial over the years, and she once said these words, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer." Yeah, great, great words. You know, life, right, is not like a movie. It's not like we can just kind of get out of it halfway through. Um, if, we, if we've trusted our heavenly engineer when we placed our faith in Christ, we need to trust him through the darkness and the unknowns and the question marks in our life. We're to trust him with all our heart and not just on the, on, on the things that are going well, right? We need to trust God with open doors as much as we need to trust Him with closed doors. And I used to get asked all the time when I was a youth pastor by young people if it was wrong to question God. And this is something that I had to learn. And what I told them was that so long as you trust His answer, God doesn't mind if we question Him. So long as we trust His goodness and trust in his answers for us. That's one condition for securing God's guidance in life. Trust him with all our heart. What's second? Uh, it's right here. Lean on our not on our own understanding. So we're to trust God with all our heart, not a third of it, not a half of it, not three quarters of it, but all of it, and not lean on our own understanding. And boy, do we often get this part messed up. I know that I have. How long do you have this morning? (laughs) Remember Samson in the Old Testament? The same word that reads lean here in verse 5 was used in the account where where Samson was in the temple of the pagan god Dagon. And uh, he was leaning on the pillars that God had showed him. And so Samson, leaning on them with all his strength and with all his weight, he brought the temple down. So the word lean here means to put your whole weight on something, to, to, to like rest your body on it. Well, here in Proverbs 3, Scripture is saying, uh-uh-uh, don't do that. Don't do that when it comes to trying to get a handle on understanding your own way in life. That is, we're not to put our full dependence on our faculties, on our smarts and our wisdom when we're following down a dream or seeking the best path in life. Why? Because our sin and our finiteness limits the scope of our wisdom and blurs our judgment. That's what it does to us. We are not omniscient as human beings. Our ability to fully understand Our life's path is so minuscule compared to God's ability. So Proverbs 3 appropriately teaches us, do not lean on your own understanding. And that is good advice. Do we take it? It's amazing. It's amazing how many people fail to do that, even God's people. I have a pastor friend who had someone come to them and ask them for advice. And this person was in a real jam, like a, a real jam that could uh, like affect their life for years. Can't tell you what it is. So my friend, um, he's listening to this person who he's counseling as their pastor. He's listening very carefully, and he's considering what's being told to him. And then he proceeded to give the best advice and counsel to this person that he could. And this person then responded something to the effect of, okay, I kind of hear what you're saying, Pastor, but uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to do what you've suggested. Um, so much for my pastor's friend's hour of listening. <laughs> anyway. And so my friend went on to ask this, this desperate person who, who he loved and cared for, why do you feel like that? What you're resolving to do if if you don't take this advice, or at least consider this advice, is is very dangerous. And he told them, I could get half of the people in our church who are caring and godly and mature and loving and have them listen to what you told me. And I guarantee you, almost all of them, if not all of them, would agree with the advice that I've given you the answer that came back to my pastor friend was, well, I think I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And me, knowing the circumstance, is utter foolishness. And this person said they were a Christian. But the, the path that they were going down was ungodly wrong. But when we, truly, when we truly seek God with all our heart and when we lean not on our own un, un, understanding, right, but, but seek out, out God's Word and, and wait on Him in prayer and listen to the presence of the Holy Spirit within our, our hearts whose peace, right, transcends all understanding and circumstances, When we seek out people, godly people, who love us and whom we trust for added counsel, when we put that all together, we have a recipe for the clarity of God's will for our life. But wait, there's yet a third condition from Proverbs 3 for gaining the promises and guidance of God in our lives. And that is that we are not to acknowledge, sorry, that we are to acknowledge God in all our, our ways. Acknowledge God in all our ways. When things are going well, And when things are not going so well. You and I meet people, right? You and I meet people all the time who used to go to church. And as you talk with them and listen to them, there often seems to be a pattern that presents itself in their story. In that at some point, God disappointed them. God disappointed them. God let them down. They had a crisis or some challenging thing happen in their life. They sought God and there was silence. Silence. And things got worse, and they just kind of turned their back on God. And that's tragic. Why? Because some people think God should always work the way that they want Him to. And, and they just have very little room for disappointment with God in their lives. And yet I know I'm standing in front of a people, some of you who have been walking with the Lord for years, who could just attest that, yeah, sometimes God just does not work. The way we thought that he would. Can I get an amen from the congregation of Lakeside? Amen, right? Yeah, yeah. There are crosses that we must bear, crosses in the way of our sanctification, crosses in the lives of those who follow God. Someone like John the Baptist. Gotta love John the Baptist. What a guy. What a guy he was. He was put in jail. And he was getting the proverbial wrong end of the stick. Okay, I feel sorry for him when I read the story. And all he did was remain faithful to God. That's all he did. He, he, he did what the Lord wanted him to do. And there he is suffering in prison under the threat of a death sentence. And remember how he sent his followers back to Jesus to ask the Lord, Are you the one that was supposed to come? Or should we be waiting for another? to redeem Israel. And Jesus was um, you know, saying, okay, well, go back and tell John this. Um, you know, the captives are being freed, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, so on and so forth. And then the Lord said these words, so key, blessed is he who does not take offense on account of me. Jesus was calling John to lean not on his own understanding. But more than that, for John to keep on acknowledging God even from the perspective from behind prison bars. There are going to be times in this life, you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, when God will not work the way we thought or hoped He would. And yet He still calls us to trust Him because of His loyal and faithful and committed love for us. It, you know, if, if we know the character of our God, then we can trust our God. He will get us over and around the obstacles. Verse 6. This is the promise of God that He will make our path straight if we acknowledge Him. He will get us over and around the obstacles, even the footing of our journey, and take us to His appointed goal and will for us. Going back to Moses, He got the people to the promised land or at least close enough And then they sent spies in to see what these people were like, what the land was like, and then they came back to the people and they said, You know what? We looked into the land and there's you know, the pe and the people are so big, they're like they're like giants, and we're gonna be like grasshoppers in their sight. And what did Moses do when the people started to panic? Israel's just about to take possession of the promised land, and then they get that report, and they're like, Oh they start leaning on their own understanding and they you know and they don't acknowledge the Lord. Moses says this to them. He pleads with them. Listen, trust God. He has been with us and has led us out of Egypt. And He is with us and He is going before us. Trying to get the people to calm down and get refocused. That should have been enough for the Israelites. And it should be enough for you and I. God has been faithful to you and I. Even if we are faithless, He He will remain faithful for He cannot deny Himself, says the Bible. And maybe you're thinking, just quickly, maybe you're thinking, yeah, you know what? That sounds good at 12 o'clock on Sunday morning, but you don't know who I work with or you don't know who I go home to. You don't know what kind of stress I'm under. You don't know what I have to endure or whatever else the case might be. I may not know, but listen, I know God knows. right? I know God knows. And trusting in people, trusting in people or in situations is not the same as trusting in God as we deal with these people and these situations right? Notice very quickly the last few verses seven and eight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. What is it saying it's saying that as you know if 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 we trust in our ho- in our own human resources we'll have a limited view of God and that can affect us not just spiritually but physically. But if we trust God, if we put our trust in Him, the God who made the universe, right? And the stars to shine and the earth upon which we live. Um, If we trust in Him and we do that in a shameless and upright manner, that He will bring health to our body and nourishment to our bones. It's kind of like God will pour into us a physically reviving spiritual drink that will be for the betterment of our whole person. God's not only guiding us to get us from point A to B. When He's guiding us from point A to B, He's making sure in our whole person that we are well as we go from A to B. I end on this. I could just keep going on, but I won't. (laughs) Near the end of 1939 a world war was going on and King George VI was on the throne in England. And he gave a speech just before Christmas 1940. And he didn't know what to say because he was a shy man and not very confident as a leader. And so his daughter, Elizabeth, who is Queen Elizabeth today even, um, because she knew that he was struggling to know what to say, she, she gave him a poem from Minnie Haskins and it's called The Man at the Gate. I'll just read you a shortened portion. It says, I said to a man as he stood at the gate, Give me a light that I may tread softly into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God, and that will be better than any light and safer than any known way. As we go further into this new year, my friends, let us do so by reaching out our hands into the darkness that is the uncertainty of our lives, It is the uncertainty of our world, and put them into the sovereign, faithful, loyal, committed hand of God to guide us. His guidance is perfect. Listen, perfect. We can do no better as His people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we just uh, acknowledge You today in all that we're going through. We just want to acknowledge You in the good and in the challenges. So many of us are dealing with things we would even dread to tell other people, even fellow Christians. But You know it all. You see into our lives. Your word says that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love in whom we have forgiveness—sorry, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And that's a, that's a great promise and that's a great hope. May we latch on to that. You have a perfect track record for leading and for guiding. We can't do it as good as you. So Lord, help us. Help us to put our full trust in You today. No matter what we're facing, You will get us there. And when You get us there, You will bless us when we are there. Thank You, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen.